Good evening. It's good to be here with you this evening. As always, I hope that the things that I bring to you this evening, first off, I hope that they're true. Secondly, I hope it's something that will benefit you, something that you can apply to your life. And thirdly, I hope that you enjoy our time together. I hope that the things that we talk about will be something that uh, you can enjoy and you enjoy being here. This evening, what I want to do is I want to go over some thoughts that have been on my mind about a study that we do at the Hale County Jail. So each Monday night, we go and, and we conduct a four-part study with a group of guys. And this study contains four different parts that we cover at four different times, about an hour and a half session each time. And what I've done is I've taken that study and I've condensed it into one study. So I hope you ate before you came. <laughs> Not really. We're, we're not going to be condensing all four of those studies into one study. But what we're going to do this evening is we're going to take the central theme out of that study. And really, it's the central theme of the Bible. It's how does the Bible apply to our lives? How do we take this book that was written throughout 4,000 years of time to different groups of people who lived in different countries, who faced different things, how do we take this book and make it relevant to us? And so this evening, our subject is talking about faith throughout the ages. Faith throughout the ages. The central theme of the Bible is faith. If we want to be pleasing to God, if we want to go to heaven, if we want to have a relationship with God, it all depends on the faith that we display towards Him, the faith that we exhibit in our lives. And so this evening in your mind, as you think about faith, answer this question. What is faith? What is faith? Faith means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. To some people it means belief. To some it means trust. To some it means love. To some it means assurance or conviction. To some it means Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith means something subjectively to each of us, we all have an idea of what faith is. And when we look in the world and we look of what our culture thinks of faith, a lot of times we get this watered-down idea that faith is some sort of a feeling that puts me in good standing with God because of something I did that makes me feel warm and fuzzy. And when we look in the Bible, consistently what we will see is that faith is an action. Faith is an action. Faith is something that takes place in our lives. Faith is something that moves us to do something. So the answer to what is faith is yes. Faith is all those things that we listed. Faith is Hebrews 11 verse 1. So I guess what I want to look at tonight is what does active faith look like? What has active faith always looked like? And how can we expect that to influence and impact our lives today in 2023 in Plainview, Texas? To do that, I want to start by putting a graphic on the screen that probably each of us are familiar with in some fashion or another. And what this is, is on your left-hand side, rather, let me start over. What this is, is a timeline. This is a timeline of the existence of time. And on the left-hand side, it starts in the book of Genesis. I know it's hard to read, but that says Genesis 1, verse 1, the very beginning, whenever God spoke the world into existence. 
And each one of these circles represents a different age or a different time period in humanity. Those are represented by the headers above the circles. So for instance, the patriarchal age was the first age to take place. Adam was the first man within that age. And during this age, people spoke, or excuse me, God spoke to his people by speaking directly to them. God spoke directly to his people. He came down, he knocked on their door, and he said, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. So the Mosaical Age, very similar. It took place after the Patriarchal Age. The first man in this age would have been Moses. God spoke to his people through Moses, through the law, and then through other prophets. But during this age, God did not come down, knock on the door, and speak directly to his people. Rather, he worked through prophets. He would speak to the prophets, and the prophets would explain to his people what God wanted them to do. Lastly, we have the Christian era, the age that we live in. And as you can see, the circle's not closed because we're still here. <laughs> Time's still going on. And during this time period, it was established by Christ. And God speaks to us through His Word. God speaks to us through His Word, and it was established by Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do this evening is I want to look at a couple of examples in each one of these ages, each one of these time periods that mankind has existed. And I want to ask the question, what did faith look like during these time periods? What did faith look like during the patriarchal age? What did it look like during the mosaical age? And what should it look like us today? What should it look like for us today? So let's begin by looking at the patriarchal age. Genesis chapter 6 verses 5. Let's talk about a man named Noah. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. The Bible says, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and bird of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So we understand and we know the story of Noah. We know the decline of mankind, we know that sin was so rampant in the world that God was so disappointed that he had made man that he was going to destroy us. He was done with us. He was going to turn his back on us. But he looked down and he saw this man, this man named Noah, and he said, because of this man, I'm going to save mankind. I'm going to save mankind. I wonder why that would have happened. Why would God have been interested in Noah? Continuing on in verse number 14, this is God speaking to Noah, giving him instructions of the grace that he was extending to him. He says, Noah, if you want to be saved, here's what you need to do. Verse number 14, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, you shall, you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And God's going to go on and give him some more instructions. But what we see God do is we see God lay out a plan for Noah to follow if he wants to be saved. We see this grace being extended to Noah. 
And in this plan of grace that God extends to Noah, what we see is very specific instructions. Gopher wood. Why, why would gopher wood be important? I don't know. <laughs> but that's what God told him to use. Does the length and the height and the width, does it have to be exactly what God said it needed to be? I don't know, but that's the plan that God gave him. That's the plan that God gave him. Did those things really matter? Did it really matter? It did to Noah. It mattered to Noah. We can read later in chapter 6, verse number 22, the Bible says, Thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. As if that wasn't enough, the Bible goes on. says it again a couple verses later. It says, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. You see, the details mattered to Noah. God laid out a plan of grace for Noah. He laid out instructions for Noah to follow. And then we have record that Noah followed those things exactly as God told him to do. And because of this, we know that Noah is a faithful man. We know that Noah was considered a faithful man. The New Testament tells us by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. According to faith. <clears throat> Do you think Noah faced obstacles while he was building the ark? You know, we know... We know the obstacles that he faced. It had never rained before the flood started. God watered the earth with dew. He was the only man building the ark. He didn't have cranes or power tools or anything that would make it easy. Time was on his side, right? It, it took him 50 to 100 years to build this thing. You think he didn't face the obstacles? He did. Yet through his faith, he persevered and he did what God told him to do. Noah's a great example of faith. Let's talk about another man in the, in the book of Genesis. Abraham, or Abram. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through, 4, 1 through 4. The Bible says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. So God comes to Abraham and he tells Abraham, Look, if you'll do what I tell you to do, then I'm going to give you three things. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to make you a great nation. And through you, all nations of the earth will be blessed. What does Abraham do? The very next verse. It says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him, and he was 75 years old when he departed Haran. So think about the situation that Abraham was in. The Lord comes to him and he says, I want you to leave and get out of your country. So I think about that and I go, okay. You know, I could, I could move, right? I moved. I went to college in Arkansas. I moved a long way away. Well, let's think about Abraham and think about the time period that he was living in. The United States wasn't around. 
government, world governments were not around. I think of Abraham's time period as like the Indians, okay? So you had these tribes, you had local cultures, families that all lived together. So you might be living with your descendants and your family. And what did that family represent to you? What did that family represent to you? It represented security, safety, right? You didn't have police. You didn't have an army. If another tribe attacked you, you had to have your family. It represented food security. You couldn't waltz down here to Allsup's or Walmart and go in and get food. You had to prepare years before, months before, and make sure you had the food. It represented their culture. It represented their heritage, everything. And so whenever God comes to Abram or Abraham and he says, hey, I want you to leave. He's not saying, I want you to pack up and move to Amarillo. He's saying, Abraham, you need to leave everything behind. You need to leave everything that you've known your entire life behind and go to a place that I'm telling you. Why? Because I'm telling you to do that. Did Abraham have faith? Abraham did have faith. Another example of Abraham's faith, there's many examples, but another one that we commonly refer to is found in Genesis chapter 22. God comes to Abraham and he says, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. God had made him this promise of land and a great nation, and be blessed through all nations. And Isaac was an integral part of that promise, right? You think Abraham faced obstacles in his faith? He did. But what did he do? The very next verse, So Abraham arose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Abraham did what God told him to do no matter what. So as we've looked in the Old Testament, what we've done is we've established a formula for faith. We can look at these men, we can look at many other examples, and we can see that if we want to have faith that's pleasing to God, it takes two components. It takes identifying God's commands, identifying God's grace, identifying God's plan, however you want to phrase that. And it takes obedience. It takes obeying God. So in the patriarchal age, if you want to have faith that's pleasing to God, we have to identify God's commands, or they needed to identify God's commands, and they needed to obey them. Let's look at the Mosaical age. Look at the Mosaical age. The book of Joshua. So where we're at is the children of Israel have left Egyptian bondage. They have crossed the Red Sea. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. All those that refused to enter into the promised land have died. And they're back. They're back on the edge of the promised land. They're looking out. And they enter into this land of Canaan. And they come to their first city, the city of Jericho. And it's got big walls, big obstacles. And they need a way to conquer this city because God told them, to conquer the city. God told them to take this land. And here's the plan. Here's the grace that God extends to them. He says, You shall march around the city, all you men of war. 
You shall go around the city once. This you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. So God extends this plan to the children of Israel. He says, if you want to be successful in battle, if you want to overtake this city, here's what you need to do. March around the city six times for... March around the city once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, march around seven times. Does that make sense? (laughs) It doesn't make sense. They're walking around a city. You're talking thick walls, big walls. What's that going to do? What's that going to do? Well, what do they do? They do it anyway, because that's what God told them to do. That's what God told them to do. Verse 20 of Joshua chapter 6 says, So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up before the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They took the city. So again, what we see is we see this example of God providing a plan. God providing the children of Israel with a way to do His will, to be successful. And we see the children of Israel follow through with His plan, obey His command, and we see the success that follows. What about the opposite of faith? What's an example that we can look at where someone is not faithful to God? A good example of this is found in the book of 1 Samuel. King Saul, the first king of Israel. Verse number 3 of 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is Samuel speaking to Saul. God is speaking to Saul through Samuel, giving him instructions. And this is what he says. He says, Now go and attack Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have, and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together, numbered them in Teleom, 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah, and Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. So God gives very clear instructions. He says, I want you to go to this city and I want you to utterly destroy them. Utterly destroy them. And Saul's off to a really good start. (laughs) He gathers his army He gathers what he would need to accomplish God's plan. He puts himself in a position to enact this plan. And then the battle ensues. And we're going to pick up after the battle. A couple verses down, verse number 13. The Bible says, Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So Saul said, I did what you said. I've been obedient. I did what you told me to do. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. So what did Saul do? He tried to follow God's command, but did he follow all of God's command? He didn't. He didn't. He decided that he knew better than God. 
He was going to bring these animals home. The people were going to bring these animals home. And they were going to make this big sacrifice to God to make it okay. This big sacrifice to God to make it okay. So God delivered the plan to them. He expected them to follow the plan. But they didn't. They didn't. What's the result of that? Verse number 22 says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. So when God delivers a plan and he expects faithfulness, he expects obedience, is he going to be pleased whenever we don't show our faithfulness? He's not. You see, what God doesn't need is for us to interject what we think is best. God doesn't need for us to add what we think would make his plan better. He doesn't need for us to take away what we think would make his plan better. What God needs, or what God needed during the Mosaical time period, is for people to identify his commands. He needed people to follow his commands, and if they would do that, then they would be pleasing to God. They would be pleasing to God. So as we've gone through these two ages... We've identified what it takes to be pleasing to God. We have to know what His commands are, and we have to do His commands. And it's that simple, right? It's that simple. It was during those two ages, at least. So what do you think, if you had to guess, what do you think it's going to take during the Christian age to be pleasing to God? It's not a trick question. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So in the New Testament, at Northwest Church of Christ in 2023, if we want to be pleasing to God, if we want to have faith that is pleasing to God, then what do we need to do? We need to identify what His commands are, and then we need to obey God's commands. And oftentimes in our culture, we take something that's this simple. The world takes something that's this simple, and they say, okay, well, how do, how do we identify God's commands? Well, where we often get confused is who God is speaking to and when's, when God is speaking to them. Because like we talked about, God's not going to come to you and knock on your door and say, I want you to go out here in this lot and build this really big boat. Why? Because that's not the way God speaks to us. God speaks to us through the Word of God. He speaks to us through the New Testament. So what is God telling me? What is God telling us? This evening, if you're not a Christian, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, then here's what God's telling you. Galatians 3, verses 24 through 27. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. 
But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So if we want to be pleasing to God, if we want to be saved, then we have to be justified through faith. We have to be justified through faith. Well, what is faith? (laughs) Our faith is our obedience. Our faith is no different than Abraham's faith. Our faith is no different than Noah's faith. It's no different than the children of Israel's faith. Our commandments are different, but the obedience that's expected from us is no different. We're expected to obey the gospel. We're expected to put on Christ. So we talked a little bit about Noah, and we talked about the grace that God extended to Noah. What was the grace that God extended to Noah? The grace was the plan, the blueprints to build the ark. Well, what was the faith? The faith was Noah's obedience to the plan. And so there's two aspects to salvation. The first is grace. We have to know what to obey. And the second is we have to obey it. We have to obey it. And so in the New Testament... The grace that's been extended to us, the plan for our salvation, is the gospel. Is the gospel. And the faith is our obedience to the gospel. And so this evening, if you're not a Christian, you need to seriously consider being faithful to God tonight. Doing what God says tonight. Obeying Him in baptism tonight. What if we are a Christian What if you've been baptized? What if you're saved? What is God telling you? What does God expect of us? How can we be faithful to God? 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 gives us an idea of this. It says, Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. God speaks to us today, through the Bible. It speaks to us through the New Testament. And so if we want to do what's pleasing to God, the first thing that we have to do is we have to know what God's telling us. We have to read the New Testament. We have to read the New Testament. We have to study out the commands in the New Testament. Sometimes that can be confusing. God doesn't say, okay, let's start at number one and go through number 1,000 and list them all out. God uses apostles to write letters to other congregations and riddled throughout this New Testament, throughout the works of the apostles, throughout the life of Jesus. We can pull these commandments out and apply those things to our life. And when we obey those things, we show our faith. We are faithful to God. So we have to apply those commands. Did you know that there's over a thousand specific commands in the New Testament? There's over a thousand specific commands in the New Testament. And it's commands like this. Abstain from this. Do this. Don't do this. Put away this. Put on this. Wear this. Don't wear this. It's there. It's in the New Testament. So does God expect us to follow thousands or hundreds of written rules 
to be faithful to him? Is he keeping count of the things that we're following and he's marking us and checking us off and making sure that we're following these things? I don't know. I think 1 John 1 verse 7 puts it in a good way. If we want to be faithful to God, we have to walk in the light. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. What does it come down to? If you want to be faithful to God as a Christian, what does it come down to? It comes down to God wants your whole life. When you wake up in the morning, He wants to be the first thing you think about. When you go to bed at night, He wants to be the last thing you think about. As you go through your day, He wants to be the umbrella that shields you from every decision that you make. The filter that you see everything through. That's what God expects from us if we're to be faithful Christians. So I hope that you've enjoyed our study tonight. I hope that you've gained some things from it. I hope that there's some things that you can apply to your life. What is faith? Is faith these things? Yes, faith is these things. But at the very core of our Christianity, faith is being able to say that I dedicate my life to Christ to do His will, to follow His commands, and to do His mission. That's what faith is. So as we close this evening, I want to ask you, are you living a life of faith? If you need to be baptized this evening, please do that. If you need the prayers of the church, please come as together we stand and sing.